Hey, welcome to the latest episode of Bound the Context. I'm your host, Ryan Sraver. With me today is my good old friend, Brandon Litton. Brandon, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Brandon, you're an enterprise architect at CarMax. So tell me, what does that involve? What type of work are you doing next? Yeah, that is a really good question because I feel like it, it's changing all the time. Uh, but I can tell you a little bit about what I'm doing lately. So um, our EA practice is pretty new. So it's, uh, I think, last three years. And I've been on the team for two. Uh, and you know me, like, came up at CarMax. I've been there almost 15 years now. And so, you know, started programmer, lead engineer, solution architect, uh, did a little bit of technical product management, and then jumped into the role. And so I feel like now it's like trying to put all those pieces together and come alongside teams and say, well, hey, we've got a, a target state of where we want to be from not just a technology perspective, but like people and process. Like how do those need to evolve, right, to get to where we want to go as a company? Um, and so how do we how do we cast that vision and make sure everybody's really clear on it and see, oh, well, okay, to get there, we, we've got to change, you know, A, B, and C. And that, again, is not just tech, but like, how do we think about team scope and interactions? Um, I kind of joke, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the, you know, Conway maneuver or yeah. Conway's law. I feel like an inverse Conway maneuver consultant anymore, right? It's like, hey, we, 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 we know that our org and our communication structures really influence the technology that we get. So like, how do we think about it the other way, right? And think about, okay, how do we position our teams in a way that gets us the systems that, that we want? So um, it's pretty dynamic, changes every day. Um, still learning as I go, but it, it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And so when you, you think about, you have that tech background, but you're thinking about people too, you're thinking about process or sort of how would you describe sort of your approach? And so as you think about, you know, this whole podcast about kind of problem solving, you know, which cuts across a lot of those dimensions. How would you sort of describe your approach and how you tend to go after those sort of gnarly problems? Really good question. I think I always start with, um, and maybe it's just what drew me into enterprise architecture is like, what's sort of the foundational challenge, right? Like what, and, and what sort of our, like, what's the best thinking out there in the industry about how we organize our teams or how we think about, um, you know, microservice architecture or, API governance or whatever it is, right? Like I, I just assume um, a, a former uh, boss of mine always said like, I've never had an original thought, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, there are so many brilliant folks in our industry. Like let's go read what they said or, or watch those talks. Right. And just start to put together. Okay. Well, this is generally like, you know, what success and failure and challenges people are seeing out there in the industry. How do we apply that to CarMax now? Like, what does that mean? for us and for our team. So it's always like, start with like, go read Accelerate, you know, go read Team Topology. Yeah. Um, what does the state of DevOps report say? Let's really like get into that. Um, and then spend some time thinking like, okay, well, you know, how's that going to map to our context? Like, what are we going to do about that? Um, and then, you know, uh, someone told me recently, like architecture isn't, you know, it's, you don't go in a corner and hide, you know, and with a whiteboard and the sketch pad, like, you really, it's a social activity. And so you got to kind of get out there and build that together with the folks, you know, at, at just with a um, really rich, like set of backgrounds, right. At all different roles in the organization. Like, how do you start? We, we've been using um, Miro. I don't know what your favorite. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. We use Miro. Yeah. Cooling thing is, but um, 
that's been great just to say, Hey, you know, we need to do, um, business capability mapping, or we need to, uh, kind of co-develop how this target architecture is going to look and, and do it in a collaborative space. That's kind of easy to leave comments on and, you know, sticky notes everywhere. Um, I love that it's not physical sticky notes anymore. Yeah. Just like, Oh, it's all digital and it's there and I can hand you a link to the whiteboard. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, you know, leaning on just sort of this great foundation that's out there in the industry in forms of books and talks, think about how it applies to the context. And then just like kind of constantly iterate with teams and leaders to say like, okay, well, like, all right, this is wrong, but how wrong is it now? <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, we got to refine these bits now. All right, let, let's take that back. Let's refine. Okay. How about now? Like, is it less wrong? Okay, cool. And, and until people are like, oh, I get it. And I, I want to go after it. What's well, interesting because you, you, you mentioned something about the social aspect of it, which a lot of engineers turn architects. That's not really their sort of strong suit. Right. And so um, I, I'm working on another client project and we're, it's about architecture. And one of the phrases I've been picking up is, you know, architecture strategy yes. um, and, and, and how you lay down architecture directly impacts the strategy of your organization. And there's the technical bits of it, which you and I came up with, which we love, but I'm, I'm interested the social piece of it like how do you help folks who are you know engineers architects is that a tough thing to overcome or like how do you how do you see that yeah totally um you know i we we've done all the different like personality tests enneagram myers briggs like strengths finder all those wow. right and you know I, I definitely tend towards that like nope i'm good i i, I like reading books and thinking on my own and, and all that stuff. And I think like, I feel like in my career, it's always been like, okay, to really fix the problem though, like how do I keep pulling on that thread? And eventually that thread, again, back to Conway's law, right? Eventually that thread is going to lead you to like teams and interactions, right? Like people build software. And so you got to talk to them and understand, well, why did, what are your design goals and what are we trying to do as a company? What's our strategy? What's our vision? Should it be like this? Hey, if, if we made it this way, would that support these five use cases we're thinking about both now and in the future? Right. And so I think it's, it's having the, um, maybe like the desire, like, I really want to solve this problem. And it just crossed that boundary of from technical into like, wait, this is how we relate to one another and communicate yeah. and structure the work. And so then you're like, okay, well, I really want to solve that problem. And yeah, it might be a little uncomfortable. Like I never really saw myself like earlier in my career is like, Oh, I'll be that guy to help host a workshop, you know, on this thing or like <laughs> lead collaboration stuff. But honestly, like um, that's been really growing. You know what I mean? Like growing and stretching. It's really awesome when you, when you start solving those problems and people are like, Oh yes. Like this is so much better. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I couldn't have coded yeah. that solution. No, these days I, I, I joke often live vicariously through my engineers. Um, and, and, and there's some things that you're right as a leader, you can do it. it you see it in the friction. Once, sometimes it shows up in friction in, the, in their day to day, you know, you actually help them feel better. And then other times I think it's around playing that connective thing between the business where they're trying to get to their goals and aspirations and the systems that you have, and how do you get them there? And sometimes those systems are, are new and you built it. And sometimes those systems have existed for a long time and you've inherited them. And there's lots of technical debt all over. But I think it's a real interesting sort of this role of architecture. And, you know, I'm of age where 
architecture came into being. And then when agile came along, architecture got a little bit of a dirty word for a while, or I guess like, can't we just all get together and write stories and, and code? Um, and then I think what's happening now in the industry, exactly. <laughs> what's, what's an architect do? And I think now what's happening is it's a natural, depending on back to, you know, architecture isn't important. It's connected to strategy. And I, I work with a lot of companies that when that's not in place for a long period of time, it really accumulates some, some debt that's hard to dig yourself out of. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really hard. I'm, I'm curious your experience. Like, um, you know, you want to index on like, customer focus and team empowerment and autonomy, right? Like we get amazing yeah. solutions that way. And, and so you don't want to like insert this thing where like, nope, all designs must roll through, you know, whomever, whatever, yeah. really. But like, man, when you get a design conversation together, it's so good. You know what I mean? Like you realize, mm -hmm. like, oh, goodness, I, I didn't take the left path, <laughs> you know, I yeah. on this right path. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the role too is just sort of, yeah, everybody's busy. Everybody's worried about lots of complicated things in a very complicated system. And so um, how do you sort of build that sort of intrinsic, like, no, I want to join that community of practice where we're talking about that thing. And, oh, I yeah. see important now. And, oh, I know, I, you know, I'd love to bring Brandon into this conversation or I'd love to bring whomever so we can have a good design discussion rather than like forcing it through a gate. You know what I mean? That's not available and, you know, everybody's going to be sad at the end of that. So um, yeah. I definitely feel that tension, right? It's like you, you want to keep moving and innovating, but like um, I, I was looking at, sorry, that triggered a, a thought. Um, there are a bunch of, do you know this guy, Sandy Monroe um, uh -huh. in the industry? So a lot of great talks out there. He, um, I feel like he's like a car architect and he, uh -huh. uh, he like his, he and his company, I think he was like a protege of Deming, but he like, like rips apart cars and analyzes how they're put together, you know, like the architecture of cars and like, why are the parts welded together like this? Like, this is crazy. Um, you know, and it, it, it always comes back to um, like what teams were kind of assigned what problems and like, oh, they might've had a, a right answer. Like they were focused on this part, but were they thinking about the whole like, oh, that should have been one part, not like this team got this one tiny piece of this Tesla to work on. You know what I mean? And so he's, it's just really interesting to think about um, the corollaries to what we're doing there. No, I think in, in the challenge in all of architecture is you have to be able to see the whole, the whole thing in, in enough level of detail, but to, to your point, to be able to plug in on very specific sort of decisions without getting in the way. And, and I think that, you know, principles is often, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably have some principles or, you know, you have to lay down some sort of guardrails. I think it, 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 it's the highest level of architecture. Like you can do what you want, but, you know, don't run afoul of these things. But there's a myriad, you know, hundreds of, or thousands of decisions that get made all the time at the lower level that, yeah, you can't be everywhere all the time. And I think that's a real, that's a real challenge that all architects sort of face, especially enterprise architects when you're kind of, assuming you're responsible for a lot of the whole, like, how do you, how do you strike that balance between them wanting to pull you in because they think you can add it versus check off the box of architecture review and check off the box of, you know, <laughs> these other things. Kind of back to that intrinsic motivation and like another, another Sandy thing. So his, his company, if you go look at the history um, like on their website, it's actually says like the history of lean design. Right. And we've pulled so many ideas from lean right into software and technology. 
And he has this great chart um, that, that they call like the shadow diagram. And it's like all the costs that go into like architecting and producing a vehicle. And, you know, it's like design is like 5% and materials are another like kind of large percentage. I forget what they all are, but then it's like who casts the largest shadow. And, and so even though that design was like 5% of the cost, it actually influences 70% of the overall cost of the vehicle. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, yeah, I see this huge shadow, you yeah. know, is just saying like, Hey, you know, if, if we don't work that in early, like we could be making decisions that are like that's 70% of the cost pain toil that we're dealing with now. Oh man. If we had just spent, you know, a little bit more in just some direction, you know, not like we're getting every class and method and variable name the right way. Yeah. Start anything, you know what I mean? But at least directionally, like, is this going to support what we want? Um, so yeah. Like how, how do you motivate folks? I, I think it's through realizations like that. Like, Oh, if I don't apply that now, I'm just going to pay X, multiplying yeah. um so yeah how, how do we catch that vision how do we build intrinsic motivation stuff like that and i think some of it is through pain right some of the reasons that we and i know to do things is because you, you you live through them there's there's some things that get seared in your brain and you've had some pain involved right and so you but you're right like that's not known and you can't let every single person discover all of that because by that point you're you're 20 30 years in so, but as you think about some of these lessons, like what are some of the key lessons that you learned on, on your journey that you tend to kind of impart on that next sort of level up of, of architect, I imagine application architect, those folks who are designing building systems, what are some of those key lessons you've learned that you tend to kind of lay down with them? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, we've touched on a few of them, just the, the critical role of design um, and, and really leaning on that. Uh, I mentioned the quote, I don't know where it's from, the, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Yeah. It's really tempting. Um, and also doing like, you know, music arts on the side, right. It's, it's always that temptation to like, whenever you create something, you know, you want it to be perfect before you show it to anybody. Yeah. It's like, we I have, it's a constant battle, even with myself to like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. put some ideas together and get it in front of folks and just say like, Hey, I know it's wrong. How wrong is it? You know? Um, because it's going to get so much better when people point out things about it. Like, Oh, I hadn't accounted for that. I need to bring it yeah. in. So that, that to me is pretty huge. Um, another one that I've realized kind of viscerally um, thinking about like how we get better API designs. And, and so I love the name of your show, right? It's like, what's the bounded context of this? Yes. Scope? What's in what's out. Um, and I've learned like, it's great. Like you got to produce documentation on principles and, guidelines and common practices, but you just got to know that like a large um, group is not going to read that. You know what I mean? They're going to know it's yeah. there, but until they're actually engaging with something that would require it. And you almost need folks there in the moment to like, Oh, Hey, you know, almost like the clippy, like, it looks like you're trying to do it. Okay. Well, like, let's pull in that guideline. Like, like let's pull in the right people, you know, at this moment. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, oh, you know, I'd read the, the design guide before, but I didn't realize that implication for me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in this moment, like, so it's almost like coaching plays a much more vital role. Like you gotta, you gotta document, like you have to think about knowledge management, but how, how do you work with somebody and take those abstract things, but like 
married up to a concrete problem, mm-hmm. you know, like that's really hard. Like, so it's easy to give a talk on the abstract stuff, but it's like, maybe yeah. not to find something that you can apply it to and have people wrestle with the implications, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I've often thought about an architect's job is to go high and then to go immediately low and then to come back up high. And then you, you tend to oscillate, you know, because the more it's like when you develop a domain model, to your point, you get it kind of close. You, you throw it against the wall. Everybody points out what's wrong with it. You go back, you tweak it. And I've learned the more times you throw it against the wall when it's sort of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, okay, it's, it, it's getting there. And you want to socialize it with not just technical folks. I mean, a lot of times the models that we work on, you want to get people who are the business experts, whoever knows that sort of the most in the business, you want to get them involved as well because they know all the little nuances and things that, that you would never sort of pick up on. That, that was one of my biggest eye-opening things is I've been figuring it out, like what it means to be an EA. And, yeah. and like the whole like business architecture branch was like a new mm-hmm. thing. And exactly what you're saying, right? Like, like if we're going to have technology that's right and good and true, you know, it has to be true about something. And so what is that model of the world from a pure business process, value stream, business capabilities? Like what, what is that thing that the technology needs to be true about? We got to think really clearly about that or we should never set out on this side of the journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do that with just tech. I mean, usually the tech folks also have a great read on the process, right? Because they're implementing it. But you yeah. got, again, back to that, like you just need so many different perspectives in that uh, and, and producing the business architecture side just as much as the like technology architecture side. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed, I mean, you have to understand the business model. And is it understood and is it at all two-point documented? Like how, how much do people understand Sort of the business that we're in, the business model. And I've also learned that some people can understand the model and think beyond the current systems. And some people can kind of only think about how the systems work today, not in sort of, if it didn't exist, well, then how would these things sort of relate? And so you know, you're looking for that next level architect. You want to find those that are really curious and, and those sort of, you know, want to be, be you know, a craftsman or tradesman at this stuff. But those who can think beyond the way the current systems work today and the limitations to sort of a, a, a better space. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, so who have been on some, you know, we, let's talk about influences. You mentioned Lean, um, you, mentioned, you mentioned Conway, you mentioned Team Topologies, um, picked up a couple of key, keywords there, Accelerate. So, so who have been some of your influences, either, either people or, or sort of uh, books or, or stuff along the way? So there's a ton. I mean, I feel very community taught throughout my career. Like learned a ton in college, you know, but like really a lot of my learning since then has been reading and watching talks. And, you know, so I, I owe a lot to the community, but um, uh, Scott Hanselman is probably my first, like, I feel like he's like, you know, tech, Mr. Rogers, or tech, like Ted Lasso, if you watch that show. Um, just awesome, you know, and, and, and kind of bridges that like relational gap in tech. So, well, you know what I mean? Like helps it land. Yeah in a really good way. Um, I, I think a lot about APIs and like event design and like event driven systems. And so um, Clemens Vasters, um, I don't know if you've uh, watched a bunch mm. of stuff, but he's, uh, I think he's the like lead uh, Azure messaging architect, probably getting that wrong. Okay. But, um, he uh, has a number of wonderful talks that kind of unpack like, hey, Azure has lots of different like message broker tech why, why is that? Like, how should we think about events and messages? And so mm-hmm. um, that's been really good. Uh, anything by Martin Fowler. 
I mean, yeah, of course. books, articles, everything is, is great. Uh, Sam Newman's been hugely helpful um, in the microservices front. So his like building microservices book and then um, uh, monoliths to microservices, I think was the, the yeah. to that. <laughs> um, really, really good uh, in just trying to, to unpack you know, it's like, hey, there's no golden architecture, right? Microservices are great and they address a lot of challenges, but they also have a lot of challenges of their own. So like, yes. you know, those. Um, definitely Jez Humble, hugely, like, I mean, literally wrote the book on continuous deployment. <laughs> and I know we got to work together on some of yeah. that. That was, it was and is a very exciting space to me, just that concept of continuous deployment and how do you continue to drive maturity to that, so... Yeah, that's just a small smattering. I, I am reading um, uh, The Logic of Failure was recommended to me. Okay. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Um, just thinking about like when you change um, variables in a complex system, like you could do it very well-meaning, but like they have second and third order effects that like we don't tend to think about those. We think about like the symptom that's right in front of us. And so yeah. really good intentions. We can like ruin a system because we're not considering the chain. Yeah really good, but that's just like a current book. Um, and then, yeah, team topologies that, that book really brought to me. That's like, almost like it should be like a companion guide to accelerate in like, Mm -hmm. okay, here's all the research. Here's all these amazing principles and things we should go after. Okay. But like teams make that stuff organized to get the fast flow, you know, and, and hitting our objectives. Like how do we start to think about teams and interactions? Um, so we actually, have even we're calling them like topologies exercises. Okay. But they're really like a synthesis of all these concepts of like capability mapping and microservice design and uh, domain modeling and all those things. But, you know, just to really kind of get it, like what teams do we need, what tech, how do they talk? Um, so that, that's been really influential as of late. I, I think, you know, the, the thing on team topologies that I think is interesting that I've picked up on recently is, you know, we all sort of hold a certain amount of um, a mental model in our head around how things are organized, right? And there's a certain amount of, if you try to keep too much at an individual or team level, this sort of breaks down. Like, you know, we work with systems beyond what one person typically can fully comprehend, right? And you start to think about how you organize teams, like how much mental load are you expecting on that team? And can they focus and be sort of contained or do they have to know not only their system, but how that interaction with that system works? And oh, by the way, if you do that to that system, this is these sort of things. That's, I think a lot of companies who want to go to, to microservices, you know, going to a thousand microservices is, is, is a challenge too, to, to your point, right? We, we went from mono, monoliths are bad, right? You know, we came of age, monoliths are bad. Let's all go to microservices. But if you can't get one thing deployed right and tested, my thing is what, what makes you think you can get 10 or a hundred of them, right? So it brings that level of maturity. But I think what I'm seeing now is a little bit coming back is to like, how do we get our hands around and organizing the right microservices together? Like, and that's, I think where, where, you know, um, to me, Eric Evans's work, you know, years ago, domain driven design, it's coming back around a bit. You know, I learned it from a, a student application. Now it's how you apply that mm-hmm. across the board. I think it is related to the main model. I'm sorry, the business model. Yeah. Like as you start to create these sort of, you know, within, you know, within CarMax, right? You've got your different sort of organizations, departments, you know, divisions, what have you. How do you start to think about the whole? Mm-hmm. How do you line up this pieces? And I imagine you're sort of putting teams to those specific capabilities. 
um, in your organization. Yeah, trying to help foster that conversation, right? So I love the Eric Evans reference. I saw this, it, it, an interview with him. I think it was in like a plural site talk from Julie Lerman. And, um, but it was like um, this really helpful, like mental picture um, that he, he brought up where it's like, um, you know, you've got like your problem space and then you've got your solution space. And the bounded context is like the solution space, but you're like, well, what? So kind of like a, like a floor and a carpet. You know what I mean? Ideally, those really well aligned. You know what I mean? Not like way too big for the room or like this tiny carpet or like lots of squares, you know, of different pieces of carpet, like kind of all over the room. Um, And so that's where I think capability mapping is so helpful uh, recently, right? Is because that kind of helps determine like, what are the rooms? What are the floors? And then I want to cover that technology, right? So it's, how do you how do you facilitate? All right, let's figure out what rooms we have in the mm-hmm. floors we have. Now let's talk about tech. And then Gia, like I'm glad you brought up the cognitive load thing because we've been thinking about that a lot in terms of like if a team has uh, services but they kind of serve lots of those different capabilities, right? Like yeah. you're real strain on the team. Like oh, I have to have like germane business knowledge about like all these different processes that are kind of unrelated. That doesn't seem ideal, right? Like, how do we get teams to focus on like a common set of things, and like, how, how do you uh, facilitate that? Yeah, no, it's um, it's endlessly fascinating. I think that for me recently, the rediscovering domain driven design again. Nick Tune's one of the guys having a program. I think Nick Tune has a lot of good work in this space, um, and uh, I think it's 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 really fascinating because where I see that is I, I see that going, and I work of course doing doing cloud work. A lot of the way organizations set up their cloud environment, a lot of times mirrors to your point on Conway is the org structures, mm-hmm. right? And the same things they put in place, communication channels, they essentially recreate it in their cloud environment. And that makes it either easier or harder to get what you want done, yeah. right? And so one of the things I've been fascinated with recently is what if we take this concept of, you know, business model, domain model, and think about our different bounded context, and one of our cloud environments look more like Named like those things, not named for things like sales, marketing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, thumbs up. Do it. Do that. <laughs> I think that's. I think that can be a sort of natural, and I think it also lines back to the API sort of thing because now you have a bit of a place where things belong. Like, hey, these these APIs are related to this sort of business capability. Let's tend to group those together, have a team work on on yeah. those. When you scope it around business units, I mean, those change. Yeah. And yeah. Like, one of the things about capability modeling, I forget where I read it, but it was just kind of brilliant insight of like, like fundamentally, like what your company does doesn't materially change. Like how you do it absolutely changes. Like mm-hmm. all, but like what you do as a company to like deliver value doesn't tend to like have these big sweeping changes all the time. Like you don't tend to reorg those. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's like if you model things on the capability map, like that should be a lot more stable. And then you can figure out how best to apply people to that. I agree. And I think that, I mean, your companies like this, I mean, when you guys came out, you were really the first organization that, that took sort of, you know, carbine selling on kind of national sort of scale, but your company's having to evolve and innovate too, right? I mean, the landscape now is very different from the landscape when you guys got started, right? And I think part of getting that right we're getting closer to right as, as we have new 
you know, new changes in landscape and, and competition and, and changing the way people buy cars and, and shop for cars and those sort of things, your business has to evolve to, to meet those needs. And not just what they need today, but get out in front of that one. Like basically, here's where we think things are going to go. And so let's start to architect towards that sort of future state. That's really good. So, well, cool, man. Any other uh, topics of mine that you can think about? Anything else you can sort of lay in on our guests? Of, we have a little inventory. I'll work with that Eleanor and team. We'll come up with a nice long sort of uh, notes and links That's great. Um, for this talk so people can have some jumping off points. Yeah, I've been um, thinking again about like how do you build that sort of like product and agile, friendly, congruent API design practice and like architecture design practice. Um, and there's a great podcast that actually a uh, stoplight just started um, API intersections. I think okay. uh, really, really good, but just a, a lot of other folks in the industry just kind of grappling with that, that same problem. Like what's like good governance look like, you know, that, that people actually mm -hmm. are like, like that. Um, and um, yeah, just ha how do you, how do you build more like communities of practice around it and, um, help facilitate better conversations around design. So that, that's definitely top of mind. Well, I think, you know, I've seen community practices work well. You guys, I mean, you guys in your UX team, you know, you guys have awesome community practices. I think you guys recently launched a website. I know Chip and, Chip and team have been doing all that stuff for a, a long time. Really great work. I think I just saw you guys launch a website um, to share some of that knowledge um, with everybody. But yeah, I think there's how do you practice it sort of, you know, at the sort of local team level. And then you know, back to where we started the conversation, how, when you start to lay out design, do you influence the, not, not just, you know, what you see in front of you, but influence other teams. Cause at the end of the day, a company like yours, and you got hundreds of maybe thousands of engineers at this point, I don't, I don't know, but there's a lot of people working on these systems and, you know, how do you start to get them aligned and moving in sort of uh, the right direction? Yeah. So well, cool, man. Well, last most important question is what are you, what are you listening to? Uh, these days we've never had the music conversation i have no idea what your interests are so i mean i listen to just about everything i actually it's funny the answer is the um the album i've been working on or had worked on so our, our church released a live album so i actually okay. got the mixing and uh be a part of a couple of the songs so that was kind of interesting like sort of inside the music a little bit more than than just listening nice. good um, so yeah, other than just like stuff we play on Sunday, right. Um, just, uh, you know, a lot of, I, I, I'm actually part of a, like a mixing community of practice. It's funny. Okay. Like they have sites that are all about that. Um, and so they'll, they'll just talk about like, even, um, like, you know, ZZ top was kind of in the news. And so like yeah. a remaster. And so like, let's listen to both the remaster and, you know, the original and like the differences. So always going back through, you know, Hendrix and Mayer and ZZ Top and all that good stuff. So it's, it's, it's a good mix. Nice. Good classic rock there. So well, awesome. Oh man. Are you going to throw that on me? I'm not used to being prepared for the other direction. I've, I've been digging a band, um, Black Pumas out of, um, Texas. They're, they're pretty good. Um, my wife and I were supposed to go to the Wilco show tonight in, in, in Richmond, but they moved it outdoors and we ended up having to do a refund. So we we're, we're going to fortunately miss Wilco tonight, but they're in town. Um, we like them. So, um, but yeah, I listen to a lot of Spotify. I mean, a lot of times the way I work is when I get my focus time, I don't know about you and the way you lay out your day, but my days tend to get pretty, pretty packed up. And so I try to preserve the mornings 
be that heads down focus time and just throw on my headphones and sort of listen to music and kind of crank. So, and then the whole world <laughs> kicks in. So uh, anyway, Brandon, it's been awesome uh, catching up again. And uh, I look forward to uh, when we're cl- close neighbors, we'll have to go uh, grab, grab a bite to eat and uh, stay in touch. So thanks for being on the program. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. You too.